Welcome to the Axe Church Leander podcast. Join us in person or online on Facebook at 9.30 a.m. Good morning. Our reading today comes from Colossians 3, verses 1 through 17. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is in your life, appears, then you, will also, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immortality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these days in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all things, all such things as these, angers, anger, rage, malice, slander, and the filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed, in knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, I'm not sure what that word is, I'm just going to skip over it, (laughs) slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. Jesus, we we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the gift of children to be able to come and to receive your gospel, to learn. And uh, God, as we come, even as your children, Lord, that we would receive your word with humility and with love and with patience and gentleness and compassion. Lord, help us to stay focused on you and you alone and to remove any barriers that would keep us from your word and from your gospel. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. So I wasn't here this last weekend, like last weekend, and uh, it was because I was celebrating a very important day uh, for me. It was our six-year anniversary for Chrissy and I. Thank you, thank you. I even put in the notes, like, wait for applause, because, like, that's what everyone does. But I, I love it because, like, we... We celebrate the gift of marriage, and it's been such a great journey with Chrissy, and uh, I'm embarrassed her for a little bit, but it's been a lot of fun. There have been, uh, for most of you guys who have been uh, in a marriage and been married before, there are a lot of ups and downs and highs and lows, but uh, we had an amazing time celebrating six years, but we were out of town. We were actually uh, not here in the area. We went to a very magical place, a place full of wonder and awe and excitement, and uh, it was the great place known as the town of Waco. Texas. 
It was a lot of fun. We had a great time just celebrating. And um, yeah, it was cool. We did all the like typical Chip and Joanna Gaines. Like they took over that entire town. Let me tell you. If you guys have been there before, you're like, wow. And it was funny because a couple weeks ago, I was telling a couple of you guys like, oh yeah, we're celebrating our anniversary. And they're like, oh, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, we're going to Waco for the weekend. They're like, oh, okay. Like they're like, just wait and see. But we had a really great weekend, and one of the cool things that we got to do was before we left, uh, we actually went on to some bloggers thing. This was like 37 things to do in Waco, Texas. And some of y'all are like, 37? Like, I only thought there were seven. Uh, but it was great. We got to go through the list and see different things that we got to tackle. And out of the 37, I think we probably hit, I don't know, maybe like 16 of them. It was pretty impressive. We, we did a lot of walking around, got my steps in. It was awesome. But one of my favorite things that I did uh, that weekend with Chrissy was on our last day, it was Sunday, and uh, we checked out of our Airbnb. And you know how like on the last day of vacation you're trying to figure out, well, should I like keep like vacationing, doing my thing, or should we like just make the trip back home and just kind of prepare for the next day? Well, we kind of like split it in half. Uh, we checked out of our Airbnb, we're like, hey, let's go get some coffee, let's go get some brunch, and uh, let's do like one more thing off of this, this 37 list of things to do in Waco. And so uh, we ended up doing just that, we got coffee, we got brunch, and uh, then we made our way to, uh, one of the things on the list was uh, this National Mammoth Monument. How many of you guys have been there before? It's like 20 minutes outside of the downtown area of Waco. And so we uh, did our thing, and as we're driving out there, Chrissy's looking on the website, looking at uh, the things on what to expect there, and uh, we're seeing all these pictures, and she's like, wow, like, okay, this could be, like, interesting, and if not, like, it's only five bucks a person, so, you know, whatever. So we're like, okay, cool, like, let's just finish out our time together before we head back to Leander and uh, check this out. And so we get there, and we, we pull into the parking lot, and uh, all of these people, like, the parking lot was pretty full on a Sunday, and there were all these, like, kids and families together coming out from this tour, and they were headed to this gift shop, and we were like, wow, like, maybe this is something that's, like, a really big deal. Okay, so, so we go to the ticket clerk, and they're like, it's $5 per person, so we're like, here's, here's our money, and then they hand us this ticket, and the guy, he literally handed it to me, and he was like, here, and you can keep it as a souvenir, and gave me, like, this metaphorical wink. And, and in my head, I'm like, wow, this is like going to be something really special. So I, I take these tickets, and I put them in my back pocket, and, and we walk off. It's like, you know, 500 feet that we're walking, and uh, we get to another place where we have to show our souvenir tickets uh, to this uh, security person. And she looks at it, and she hands it back to us. She's like, here, you can keep these as a souvenir. And I'm like, okay, this is getting a little weird. Like, you've kind of overhyped this experience. And so we walk in, and if you haven't been before, I encourage you to check it out and see, because it's quite the experience. Um, but I'm going to give you kind of the shortened version. So we walk in, and, and you walk in, you see this huge cave. And it's kind of like this wow factor when you walk in, because first off, it's 20 degrees cooler, which amen to that. You walk in, you're like, wow. And then we step up to like the first thing in this museum-type-esque place, and, and we look down, and we see these, these fossils of, of a mammoth that are on the ground. We're like, wow. And when it talks about the SparkNotes version of the description, because I don't read all of the details inside a museum, uh, they were talking about how these mammoths walked like billions of years ago during the Ice Age in Waco. So you have all these mammoths that are in Waco, and they built around this archaeological dig and made this whole monument for people to come and see. And we're like, oh, wow. 
And then we go over to the next fossil, and we're looking down at it, and it tells us, like, what's the difference between a male and female, depending on the bone structure. And, and Chrissy and I are talking, we're like, oh, okay, cool, and, like, we're trying to be all scientific and everything. We're like, oh, I wonder if they radioactive date this, and blah, blah, blah. Anyways, insert science words here. And so we, uh, we, we see these two fossils, and we're like, okay, cool. And then we look up and look around, and that's it. Literally, that is it. And it's so funny because it seems like on the website there are all these pictures of so many things. Like, where are they finding these pictures? Are they like stock photos? And so we turn, and what's so funny about this is that when you turn and go to another place in this huge cave, uh, you see how, you know how like in museums they have all these different items and they describe what the items are and like, they use this for this. Well, it's so funny. So we look over and we see all these buckets from Home Depot and Lowe's like in the back, like they're still working on stuff there and still digging. And then in front of it, what they have is literally a knee pad and it's labeled knee pad. And it has a description. They use this knee pad to keep their knees from hurting when they're digging. Okay. Next one, trowel. This is a trowel that they use for digging. Oh, okay. Next one, this is a bucket. They collect sand in there. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. And it's just so funny. So Chrissy and I are laughing, and we're having the best time. There was another, another couple that was off to the side, and they were like, what is wrong with you? Like, they were really introspective into these. And pretty much, I'm so glad that we ended up doing the self-guided tour because I can't even imagine what the regular tour is. But I, encur I encourage you to go. Check it off your 37 to-do list on there. But, but what was so special about that, and the reason why it was my favorite moment, was because I wasn't thinking about what was going to happen next when we left and headed back to Leander. I wasn't thinking about all the things I had to do on our to-do list or, or the groceries that we had to shop for or the thing that I had to do on Monday with all the work that I had to get done. I, I, was just, I was just in the moment, and I was just celebrating with my beloved, and it was just a great time. And, and how often do we miss out on those moments when we're thinking ahead or thinking behind us? That, that we come to this realization that, that our best moments are made when we're in the moment, right? Our best moments are made when we're in the moment. We, we find ourselves at our best selves when we are fully present with people and, and they have our full attention, and, and even when we're doing the most mundane things. Like maybe an example for you guys is if you have kids or grandkids, and maybe you've been in the living room at one point and you're just on the floor with your kids or your grandkids and you're just laughing at the silliest things. Right? Isn't that such a great moment to be with your kids when you're doing the most simplest things and you're just having the time of your life? Or, or maybe it's moments when, when someone that you know has lost somebody and, and they're in grief and in pain and you just lend them a shoulder to cry on. That, that you get to be most present with people even at their lowest point. Or maybe it's this, when you're going to a coffee shop or you're just having a drink with somebody and you're engaging in conversation and you walk away from that conversation thinking, wow, that was an amazing conversation. And you're thinking back through all the conversations and words that were spoken and you just kind of feel filled up with being in a relationship with a good friend. And what's so important for us and sometimes that we miss is there is, there's a joy in being present with other people. And there's an opportunity for us as Christians to be present with people. You see, our presence as Christians begins with being present. Let me say that again. Our presence as Christians begin 
with being present. Paul, in the letter that we just read, that Gretchen just read in Colossians chapter 3, if we go back a chapter, he's talking to the church in Colossae that have been kind of distracted by so many things of the world. They're hearing different philosophies and different things, and this is what he writes in, uh, verse two, or in chapter 2, verse 8. He says that they are being captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition. They're hearing all these things from different traditions that are not Christian, that are not of Christ, and they're being fed into this lie. And then he keeps writing and he shares with the church this challenge on here. Chapter 3, verse 1 should be on the screens. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts or your minds on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above not on earthly things. Maybe if you're like me, you've been distracted by setting your mind on things that are of earth rather than of God. Maybe right now you're setting your mind on things that are not above but are on earth. Maybe you're thinking about that report that you need to get done so you can show to your boss and, and show off to your coworkers so that they'll finally be able to respect you for the work that you actually do. Maybe you're thinking about your, your over-congested list and schedule and calendar filled with your kids' sport practices, their school schedule for this week, what time you need to pick them up, what time you need to drop them off, uh, time to meet with your spouse, all while trying to schedule time to meet up with your friend, go grocery shopping, call your parents, and all of these different things and in the midst of trying to show up for other people and trying to be there for your kids, your spouse, your family, your friends, in reality, when you show up there, you're not even present with them. And the reason that we are not present is that our priorities have been misplaced. The reason that we are not present with people is that our priorities have been misplaced. Maybe think about it like this. Uh, maybe there are times when you're talking with somebody and you're just like constantly distracted by the things that are going on in your head. How many of you guys have been there before? Or maybe when you're talking with somebody and you're engaging in really good conversation, you're just thinking about the next thing to say to somebody rather than actually listening to what they have to say to you. You're constantly distracted. Or maybe we get so bogged down by whatever happens in the world that we're prioritizing what the world is trying to say about your situation, about the situation of our country. We're reading all these different things on social media that we forget what's actually happening, not only in our communities, but in our neighborhoods, not only in our neighborhoods, but at what's happening in our homes. Or, or maybe you're prioritizing other people's opinions or thoughts as you look through different friends' stories on Facebook or on Instagram, and maybe you're wondering, while you're sitting in your pajamas at 3 p.m. still working online, how people ended up getting a job where they travel to a different country or different state every month, and you're seeing all these pictures being posted of people still being on beaches and saying, hashtag no filter. And you're wondering why you got to this place still in your pajamas at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Right? And these priorities that we kind of misplace ourselves in, they, they kind of build up to a point to where Paul shares in chapter uh, 3, verse 5. He says, all these things we're supposed to put to death. And he gives a list. He says this. He says, I want you to put this to death, leave it in the grave, and let it stay dead. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, greed, idolatry. 
And then he does another list, and he says, I want you to put this in the closet, lock the door, and throw away the key for these things that we continue to do. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips, and lying. And what Paul's argument is this, is that those things were things that we used to do in the past without Christ. Those things used to be a part of us, and now you have to leave it dead and leave it alone. And Paul argues that when we get wrongfully angry with somebody, when we desire more for our lives than what we already have, when we get into a time of temptation where we flirt with a coworker knowing that our wives might never know about it, when we talk behind the backs of other moms who we think don't know how to parent, we are not being present and living in the moment, but rather we are finding ourselves stuck in the past. But, but Paul gives us this argument in verse 10. He says, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, now you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Friends, you have been presently renewed and constantly being renewed into the image of Christ. This is a, this is a real reality for us. This renewed in knowledge, it means that we have new eyes to see this reality that we are being made new in Jesus. If we are to be a community of believers that show up for those who need to hear the gospel so desperately, then our presence as Christians begins with being present rather than being stuck in the past. Look at the actions that Paul says to replace the past with. This is what he says. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Let's just stop there. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. When you wake up in the morning and get ready for work or get ready to come here, there are some times where we are so distracted that we oftentimes don't choose God. But every day, God chooses you. Amen? When you wake up, when you breathe the very breath that he gave you, he has chosen you. That's why we celebrate things like baptism like we did last week. That's why on a regular basis we take communion, because it's a reminder that God chooses us. And oftentimes we don't always choose him. And he says, you are holy, you are set apart, and you are dearly loved, friends. So, so clothe yourselves with these words, with compassion, with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in unity. You know what's so fascinating about this list? If we look at compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, love, those things are best exercised and require us to be very present with other people in the moment. When we are most present with people, we can share these things. And when we are present with other people, we are reflecting the very presence of Jesus himself. What was Jesus' presence like? Well, Paul just gave us that list. Jesus was compassionate. 
as he was with a crowd of 5,000 people and he was sharing his word and love that the Father has for them, they ended up going hungry after a time. And it says in scriptures, in the Gospels, that Jesus had compassion on them. He was moved to do something about it to help people. And so he fed over 5,000 people out of his compassion. Jesus was kind. Jesus hung out with, with sinners and tax collectors and spent time with them and, and didn't judge them. He invited them into a relationship, invited them into a meal with them, and actually spent intentional time and paid fully attention to them. Je Jesus was gentle. He, he invites children. He says, hey, let the little children come to me. Invite them in. He says, all who are weary and heavy burdened, I'm going to give you rest. Jesus was patient, and Lord knows we need patience. When he was patient with his disciples, like Peter, Peter was kind of like, he was kind of a punk kid. Like, he was that one kid in class, you're like, yeah, you're, gonna, you're the trouble one, right? But, but Jesus was, was patient with them and taught them and walked with them and loved them. And, and Jesus was forgiving. As a woman who was caught in adultery stands among people who judged her and were about to stone her, he, he stands and he advocates for her and says, anyone who is without sin, posts the first comment. Anyone who is without sin tweets the first tweet. And, and when the people left, Jesus says, you have been forgiven. And, and Jesus, of course, was loving. And, and we know that through the work of his Life, his death, his resurrection, and his eventual return to remind us that love continues to pour into us regularly. So, so what does this look like in our own lives for us? As we're called to be compassionate, kind, gentle, patient, and forgiving, we're in this series called As You Go, and today we're talking about community. And what I love about the fact that all these things kind of lined up really well together, we didn't plan this, by the way, that we have a potluck after uh, church today where we get to join in as the community of God, getting a, being able to be celebrate, to celebrate with people uh, and be able to share over a meal. We get to be in the moment with other people where we get to uh, pray over kids who are about to enter into another community with all of their friends and new classrooms and new places that as you continue to go, that we would reflect and practice the ways of Jesus together. Right? As we continue to help out Baghdad and continue to be a community partner to them, to be able to share in that love as a community, that we get to be present with them and reflect the presence of Christ together. But I also think there's another way, because when we're faced with some of the things that Paul tells us to put to death, there was a, a counselor that I was talking with uh, about a year ago. I was dealing with some kind of just anxious thoughts and anxiety and uh, just a little bit of worry. And I think it really applies to when we're faced with, with temptations and things that cause us to think about either what we expect to happen in the future or we go back to our old selves. He taught me this thing. Uh, everyone hold up your hands, like, like five. There you go. Hopefully you all have five fingers on your hand. Anyways, um, <laughs> uh, we all have five senses. And so my... Uh, my counselor taught me the five, four, three, two, one, and uh, so we all have five senses, right? So he says, whenever you're in a moment where uh, you're either faced with temptation or you're faced with anxious thoughts, to think about, to pause, and think about in the moment, what are five things that you see around you right now? And to either say it out loud or to think about it. What are, what are four things that you can hear right now? What are three things that you can feel what are two things that you can smell? And what's one thing that you can taste? And his argument for doing that was is that it sets us up 
and not thinking about the past and not thinking about the, about the future and being fully present with the body that God has given to us. That we actually pause in a moment and be able to recognize that we are present in our positions. And it helps us to think, oh, okay, like, time to get back on track, time to continue to be present with other people. And so what does that look like for you this week, to be present with other people, to reflect the presence of Christ? I told you guys that last week I was on my anniversary trip with my beloved bride, Chrissy, celebrating six years. Uh, But I was also celebrating a, a second anniversary that weekend as well. Um, in 2019, August 7th, uh, my oldest brother, Miguel, uh, he suddenly died. And he was having some complications with diabetes, and uh, we found out that morning, the day after uh, our anniversary, and it completely shocked our family. And, and grief is a weird thing if you've ever had someone that close to you pass away. And so, as I was thinking about it, that Sunday that we went to that ridiculous mammoth museum, I was thinking through just all the times that I had with my brother and had a chance to call my parents and talk to them a little bit and just be with them. But one of the last conversations that I had with my brother was a couple months before he passed. And uh, it was one of those moments where you're driving and you decide to call somebody and you just talk for hours. And so I called my brother and we were on the phone for like two hours. It was one of the best conversations I had with my brother. When you have long conversations like that, uh, you just kind of like, you just kind of talk about everything around the gambit. You talk about life, you talk about work, you talk about relationships, you talk about all these different things. And it got to a point where, you know, I've never really had conversations about faith with my brother before. And he knew that I was in church work and everything, but still wasn't really a big conversation. And it got to a point where he started talking about faith and some of the different struggles that he had, not only with the church, but also with his own personal walk with Jesus. And it just gave me permission to just to just listen and be present. And one of the last things he said regarding faith in that conversation was, I believe Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And for me, that was the first time that I ever heard my brother say that. And it was such a real moment for me to be fully present and to share in that, that after he passed away, I was able to share that with my family, I was able to share that with my friends, and that conversation was a testament to being present with Christ because, because Christ was present with him. Friends, Christ is present with you and continues to be present with you. And, and the joy that we have is that when we are present with other people, we are reflecting the presence of Christ as well. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, you are a present God. In the midst of so many distractions in our world, Lord, you have called us to be a community that is also present. Lord, as as we go, as we continue to do life, as we go to school, as we go to work, as we interact with our friends and coworkers and families and children, Lord, we pray that you would remove those barriers that keep us from you, that, that keep us from being present with other people so that we can reflect your presence. Jesus, we thank you for, for the stories that we get to read in your scripture that, that share with us how you were present. 
that we might be present with other people as we are compassionate, as we are kind, as we are gentle, as we are patient, as we are forgiving, as we are loving, just as you are loving, just as you are forgiving. Jesus, there are moments in our times when, when we, have, we have not chosen you. There are moments in our lives that we've been so distracted that, that we want to put you off to the side until a Sunday morning. We want to put you off into a place until there's tragedy that hits and there's nowhere else for us to turn. Jesus, we, we repent. Jesus, we come clean with the things that are broken within us. Jesus, you give us a promise, though, that, that when we cry out, wash me, Lord, you say, I will make you white as snow. That as far as the east is from the west, I have removed your transgressions from you. And that I continue to dwell and be among you and be present with you. Lord, we thank you for your promise. We thank you for your presence on Calvary that gave up your life. And your presence now, even as you're resurrected, and give us hope for a return. Lord, help us to live that life as new people, as we set aside our old self and continue to follow after you and be present with those who need your presence. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about our church at actschurchleander.com.